Amos 5, verses 18 to 27. <coughs> what sorrow awaits you who say, if only the day of the Lord were here? You have no idea what you are wishing for. That day will bring darkness, not light. In that day you will be like a man who runs from a lion, only to meet a bear. Escaping from the bear, he leans his hand against a wall in, in his house, and he's bitten by a snake. Yes, the day of the Lord will be dark and hopeless, without a ray of joy or hope. I hate all your show and pretense the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. I will not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice all your choice peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. Was it to me you were bringing sacrifices and offerings during the 40 years in the wilderness, Israel? No. You served your pagan gods, Sakuth your king, your king god, and Kaiwan your star god, the images you made for yourselves. So I will send you into exile to a land east of Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is the God of heaven's armies. And this is truly God's word. Now, if you do have your Bible with you this morning, then please do turn back to Amos chapter 5. Or if you're observant, you'll notice we've got new church Bibles. And there are some. There's one in each row, I do believe. Uh, So you might have to share, but there are uh, some new church Bibles uh, there in front of you today. So Amos chapter 5 and verses 18 through to 27. Now, this morning we're continuing our series... Uh, thinking about major themes in the minor prophets. We've looked at two books so far. We've looked at Hosea, and we looked last week at Joel. And today we go on to think about the book of Amos. Now in this series, what we're attempting to do is just to give a a flavor of each book. And so the Bible Project video gives an overview. That's all the head work for a Sunday morning. But then what we're trying to focus on in the sermon is one of the major themes in each book. It's not a comprehensive survey. Rather, it's just one theme that we are picking up on. Now, in the book of Hosea, we thought about the heart of God. That though he is so holy and so awesome, that he's also slow to anger. And he's abounding in steadfast love. And we thought about how God longs for us to come to him. Now, last week in the book of Joel, we thought about the idea of repentance. That though the day of the Lord is coming, that there is still time to repent. And last week we thought about how one of the key phrases in the book of Joel was that the people were not just to tear their clothes but they were to tear their hearts. In other words, they were to be sincere and honest about their repentance. That it wasn't just to be surface level, but it was to be real. Now today in the book of Amos, we have a longer book, but again, there are themes of judgment, of the consequences for sin, 
And there's also the glimmer of hope at the end of the book of Amos, as explained in the video. And it's interesting. If you look at a lot of the books of the minor prophets, you'll see just this glimmer of hope just right at the end. And then we finish with the book of Malachi. And then what happens? Well, there's silence for 400 years. But then, who comes? Jesus comes. It's all pointing towards him. Now today we are in the book of Amos, and what I want to focus on is what we find in chapter 5, which picks up on some of the themes that we thought about in Joel last week. And the theme I really want to think about today is hypocrisy, hypocrisy. You see, in verse 18, we have warnings in chapter 5 of the coming judgment, And clearly there are some that are hoping that the day of the Lord will come. I guess a bit like you hope that the end of the world will come the day before an exam. Do you remember your exam days? Remember that? It's it's exam time now. Many pupils are doing their national fives and and their hires. But surely you remember being back at school and having an exam the next day that you didn't really like or you really had not prepared for. And you just, God, will the end of the world please come? Please come, simply for selfish reasons, so you didn't have to sit that exam. In many ways, what we find here in Amos chapter 5 is that those who are hoping for the day of the Lord are only hoping for it for selfish reasons. They don't really want to serve the Lord, but rather they don't want to suffer. They want the gain without the pain. Sometimes we try to get fitter in our lives, don't we? And, uh, but the reality is you can't get fit without being disciplined and going through the pain barrier. If you want to gain, you've got to go through the pain. But the Israelites don't want to do this. They just want the day of the Lord to come so that they do not suffer. But the Lord shows the folly of this because as we see in this chapter, The day of the Lord will bring darkness, not light. And the tragedy of this is shown by what happens. That the Israelites will be like a man who runs from a lion only to meet a bear. And then escaping from the bear, he leans his hand against his wall in his house. The house being somewhere that the person should be safe. And what happens? They're bitten by a snake. Now, that would be amusing if it wasn't so tragic. Because that, that's a bad day, isn't it? Been chased by a lion, thinking, oh, I've escaped the lion. Chased by a bear, oh, I've escaped the bear. I'm now in my house, I'll just rest against this wall. And you're bitten by a snake. That's horrendous, isn't it? That's a day when everything's gone wrong. Now, why is the day of the Lord going to be like this for the Israelites? Well, the reality is that they are hypocrites. They're hypocrites. You see, they talk a good game, but their hearts are far from the Lord. That's the reality. On the surface, things look good. The Israelites are having their religious festivals. They're having their solemn assemblies. They're making the right sacrifices. They've got burnt offerings, grain offerings, peace offerings. All these things are happening. And yet it's simply papering over the cracks. 
Because even though this is the outward appearance, what is it that the Lord requires? A mighty flood of justice. An endless river of righteous living. In other words, the Lord wants the Israelites to love and serve him with their hearts, with their minds, with their souls, with their strength, and not just to say that they do. Now, of course, this might remind us of one of the other minor prophets, Micah, who famously wrote this. And what does the Lord require of you but to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? And it might also remind us of the book of James in the New Testament, which we looked at not that long ago, which is all about faith and deeds. Because, of course, true faith, it affects our whole lives, doesn't it? You see, as the Lord makes clear, even though back in the time of Moses, in the desert, the Israelites said they were making sacrifices to the Lord, actually they were doing so whilst worshipping idols in their hearts. They were hypocrites. Now, how do we relate to this passage today? Well, sadly, very easily, don't we? You see, individually and corporately, we can fall into hypocrisy. Falling into the trap of of doing things for show, rather than being motivated by a sincere heart. You see, there's a place, isn't there, for self-examination and introspection. There's a place for for making sure that our hearts are in the right place and that we're not just going through the motions in our faith. You see, we can fall into the trap, can't we, of outwardly being religious whilst on the inside we're withering away. We can go to prayer meetings and to church services and yet our spiritual life is, is truly non-existent. And this is the warning. This is what the Lord is saying to the Israelites. Where are you in your relationship with me? And that's what the Lord is saying to us today. Where are you in your relationship with me? Where are you truly? You see, it's not how you present yourself on a Sunday morning. It's how you present yourself on a Monday morning or a Thursday evening or a Saturday night. That's a true test of where you are in your faith. Where are you truly? What do you really spend your time thinking about? Do you spend it thinking about yourself? About your own pleasures? Or do you spend it thinking about the Lord? Do you spend time with the Lord? Do you cultivate that relationship with Him as a priority? Sometimes people think, well, being a Christian is boring. You know, why would I put God first in my life? And many in our community, in our world, in our nation would think that. But let me tell you, from personal experience, and from the experience of those that I know, when you put Jesus first, you can never have a more exciting life. When you cultivate that relationship, when you wake up each morning and knowing no matter what's happening at work, no matter what's happening in my family, that Jesus loves me. He cares for me. And therefore I can walk into this day with confidence. 
to cultivate that relationship with the Lord. Now, as we think about these things, I want to take you back and forward in your Bible. Firstly, I want to take you back to King David. David was a great king. He was the king that all Israelites looked back on. That was the golden period in the life of Israel. And yet, what do we know about King David? Was he perfect? No, he wasn't. He committed adultery. He also arranged a murder. When you think of these things, you think, well, not a great king, really. But in Psalm 51, which is a psalm of repentance, which David wrote, what does David write to the Lord? He says, you do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. So you see that David is saying here that God doesn't want our sacrifices and offerings when they don't come from a place of repentance, when they don't come from from a contrite heart. And then moving forward into the New Testament, what does Jesus speak about in Luke chapter 13? He says that there will be some who will try to enter the kingdom of God, but who will fail. And the Lord will say to them, I don't know you or where you came from. Now, if you think about it, those are sobering words. And who were they spoken to? They were spoken to the people who on the outside looked the most religious and the most holy people. This was spoken to the Pharisees and to the teachers of the law. And I do believe that when we come into the kingdom of God, when the day of the Lord comes, we might be surprised that those who are there and those who are not there. You see, for those whom faith is all about religiosity and outward appearance, The day of the Lord will be dark and hopeless without a ray of joy or hope. That's what it says in our passage. That's the sobering reality. Because what does God want? Well, God wants our hearts. That's all he wants today. He wants your hearts. He wants us truly to serve him. He doesn't want hypocrites. And note here that what's highlighted is that the Israelites made sacrifices and offerings for 40 years in the wilderness. That had been going on for a long, long, 40 years that had been going on for. And yet the people's hearts were far from the Lord. So let's not rest on our laurels. Let's not rest on our our faith from the past. Our years of service in the past thinking, you know, it's okay, I've got plenty of things, you know, just, just, you know, in the bank. It's fine, you know, I'm okay. Because the question is, if the day of the Lord comes, where is our heart? Are we like whitewashed walls, look good on the outside but crumbling away on the inside? Or are we truly repentant before God? Now, please note here, this is, this is not about being perfect. We're all imperfect. 
But it's all about serving the Lord with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And about repenting when we get it wrong. It's about the inside, not the outside. So let's not be hypocrites. But let's truly serve the Lord as he's called us to do. I wonder if you recognize this man. It tells you who it is. It's the memoir of Robert Murray McShane. Robert Murray McShane was a minister in the 1800s, and he died at the age of 29 in 1843. He was a minister for roughly six years, became a minister when he was 22, and yet he's still remembered. And there's a church named after him in Dundee where he ministered. Now, why is that? Why is Robert Murray McShane remembered? He's remembered because of his focus upon personal holiness. You see, sometimes we think of introspection and holiness. And all we think that that is about is about looking inwards and seeing our own sin and seeing our own failings. And and that can be greatly discouraging, can't it? Now, there's a place for that. Don't misunderstand me here. We need to look inwards to say, look, you know, I'm a sinner before you, Lord God, and I need to repent. But Robert Murray McShane was greatly influenced by a man called Thomas Chalmers. And Chalmers said that glimpses into the dark room of the heart alone give no good prospect. Instead, he said, we should take help from the windows, open the shutters, and admit the sun. So if you wish to look well inwardly, look well out. This is the very way to quicken it. Throw widely open the portals of faith. And in this, every light will be admitted into the chambers of experience. The true way to facilitate self-examination is to look believingly outwards. I love the language in that. But what does it mean? Well, it says, yes, look inwards. But also, as you look inwards and you see your sin and see your darkness and you repent of that, look outwards. And as you look outwards, what do you see? You see how much Jesus has done for you. You see how much Jesus loves you. And as you look in and then you look out, you invite Jesus in to spread that light within your own soul. You see how much Jesus has done for you. See, when you understand how much Jesus loves you, when you truly understand that, what can be your true response to him? Truly, it's only to love him. If you truly understand the cross, then you truly love or are called to love Jesus and to say, I want to live for you. So this morning, let's not be hypocrites. Let's look inwards, see our sin, repent of our sin, so that when the day of the Lord comes, it's not a time of darkness, it's not a time of hopelessness, it's a time of light, it's a time of joy, because of what Jesus has done. And our faith is in him, in Christ alone. And when we trust in him, then we're called to love, to love him first and foremost, and then to go and to love 
our needy world. Shall we just pray together? Let's pray. Loving Lord God, this is a challenging word to us this day. We see the hypocrisy of the Israelites, how they were making the sacrifices, doing all that was required, even singing their their hymns of praise. And yet they were not doing that from a, a true contrite heart. They were doing everything on a surface level without truly honoring and serving you without truly showing in their actions that they loved you. Because they were not loving justice, looking out for the poor, looking out for their neighbor. Heavenly Father, in our own lives, we pray that as we truly understand all that Jesus has done for us, that the day of the Lord would not be a time of fear or a time of hopelessness, But as we understand that Jesus has paid the price for our sin, past, present, and future, as we come before you in repentance and faith, the Lord God, we would be restored from the inside out, that you would bring life to our souls, life to our hearts, so that when we repent, that we might be filled with your Holy Spirit, And that we might go into our needy world as the people you've called us to be. And that we might be consistent in our faith. That we would be the same on a Sunday morning as we are on a Monday morning. And that, Lord God, we would truly live out our lives for you. So, Lord God, speak to us. Through your word this day we pray. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. And for his sake. Amen.